0: I want to go to the Word of God this morning, Ephesians chapter number 2, and our series that we're going to go into is called Rescued, and I want to talk about the subject that is a subject that comes up often in the Bible, that we are saved by grace, and I want to spend the next four weeks, and a variety of us will be preaching on this topic, I want to talk about what does it mean to be saved by grace. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1, say amen when you've got it. Say, oh, me, if you don't. <laughs> We've got some Bibles in the house. That's a good thing. One thing about having it on the screen, you can kind of think like you don't need to bring your Bible. When well, you bring your Bible, you can mark it up, see? That's good. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. One thing I want to point out um, as we begin to read this passage of Scripture, I want, I want you to know... And recognize the context of this scripture. This scripture, first of all, who is the audience that it's being written to? It's written to the church that's in Ephesus. So this is written to people that are already saved. Right? It's not written to people that are wondering how to get saved because they've already been saved. They're in the church now. And Paul is, is writing to them and explaining to them what has happened in their life, the power of what's taken place. So with that thinking in mind, it, it would be as if Paul wrote to the Grand Rapids Church and he's trying to explain to us, this is what happened. All right. Verse number one, you hath he quickened. Look at your neighbor and say that means you. If you're in the church, if you're saved, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. You, you hath he quickened. Quicken, what is that? You don't say that very often, do you? Made alive. You hath he made alive. That's what it means. You hath he quickened. You hath he made alive. Because, you know, before Jesus, we weren't alive. We were dead. Uh, we were in sense. You say, well, I wasn't dead before Jesus. Well, in a sense, you were dead. You were physically alive, but you were spiritually dead without God. But the Bible says he quickened you and he made you alive who used to be, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, this sin thing is a big deal. It's a bad deal. It's not just a big deal, it's a bad deal. Sin kills. Now, whether you realize it theologically, I'm pretty sure that you recognize it naturally. If you give yourself to sin, you look at the byproduct of that, it doesn't improve your life and make your life better. It always makes your life worse. So it says, you have he quickened who were dead. We used to be dead in our trespasses and sin. Where in time past, you walked according to the course of this world. You were just doing what everybody else was doing. Whatever contemporary society was doing, You were just, that's what we just were doing. We were living life. We were doing life. We walked according to the course of this world, <clears throat> now, now enters the black helicopters. Now, this is not a conspiracy theory, but this is, this is the reality. According to the prince of the power of the air. There's a world culture that's at work, and behind that world culture, the Bible says, is the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. In other words, there all this stuff that's happening in contemporary culture right now and all this stuff that's going on and all the chaos and trouble and tumult and terrible things that are taking place in this world, it is being maneuvered behind the scenes by a spirit that's at work in the world. There's a devil behind the scenes that is masquerading, deceiving, playing the game because he wants everybody to go to hell. Mm. And we were all on our way to hell and we were just marching to, the, marching to the beat of the same drummer, among whom we all, nobody's exempt from this, had our conversation, or that means lifestyle, in times past and the lust of our flesh. Every one of us, before Jesus, were just doing our thing. We were walking in the flesh and just, you know, living the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and mind. And notice, we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others, I'm telling you, without Jesus Christ in your life and in my life, we are in a whole great big bunch of trouble. We're in trouble with God. We're in trouble with ourselves. We're in trouble with the devil because he's got free access to our lives. And that's what we were all doing. Whoring around, running around, doing our thing, living in sin, doing whatever we wanted to do. The Bible says, and we're children of wrath. We were in trouble. But, oh, I've got good news this morning. But, God. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. I've been praying lately. I've been saying, God, I want to feel more of the Holy Ghost lately. You know, since I prayed that prayer, it's like goosebumps from, like, the sole of my feet all the way up my neck. So, that's kind of like God. I think when I'm preaching, I feel that like God goes, I like that point. Stay there for a little while. It's called the anointing. Okay. So back to our scripture, but God, but God, we were children of wrath, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Now watch this. this It's going to get really freaky here. Even when we were dead in sins, wait a second. God loved us when we were unlovable. That blows my mind because that's not how human love works you got to earn it. you got to be just right, and then I'll love you. God's not like that, and that's good news for you, and that's good news for me because if that was the prerequisite, none of us would have the ability to ever get saved. If we had to be good to get God, listen, you don't have to get good to get God. you got to get God to get good. You can't wake up and say one day, well, I'm going to make myself all perfect, and when I get it all together, then I'm going to come serve God because you'll never come serve God. You can't make yourself all right, and and, and it's like taking a shower before taking a bath. I'm going to clean up, and then I'm going to get cleaned up. No, the only way you're going to get cleaned up is if God steps into your life, and the God who's rich in mercy says, I'll tell you what, you can't make yourself clean, but I can come down, and I can pick you up out of the mud and the mire. I'm trying to just read my text. Ugh hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And hath raised us up together. Whoa, we're in places we've never been before. And hath made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, not my goodness, but his grace, and his kindness toward us through... Christ Jesus, that's the vehicle he showed his kindness through, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, it's not, it doesn't come from you. You got to get this. It's not of yourself. It's not of yourself. It is the gift of God. You you didn't save yourself. You don't have the power to save yourself. Salvation comes from God, and it's a gift. It's a gift that comes from God. God gives you a gift. He says, I'm going to give you the gift of salvation. Because if it wasn't that way, it would be of works, and we could boast about it. Look what I did. How awesome I am. Aren't I the most awesome guy? Look at all of my trophy case. How wonderful of a guy I am. Let me tell you what I was. I was a dirtbag without Jesus. And if you're honest, so were you. Not me, I was super duper good. No, you weren't. You just lied to yourself. You're not good. Ooh, I crossed somebody there. Saying I'm not good. No, you're not good. Without God, you're not. Sorry. You don't meet the standard. He's, he's too great, perfect, holy. You're never going to be holy enough to meet this, that standard without God. I'm trying to read my text. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Jesus, it's a powerful time. It's a brand new year. We need the Holy Ghost anointing. We need the Word of God to make sense to us, Lord. I pray, take this principle, O God, and teach us and show us, Lord, the great wonder of Your grace and the grace that is even now working in our lives, Lord, helping us, working inside of us to do the will of God in our lives. We thank You for it. In Jesus' name, amen. That's the same guy, by the way, (laughs) three times in a row. Act four, it was, um. Very scary. It was like... Fires in California about a year ago. It's a bus driver I was helping people. And this is a guy that has no voice. November of 2018, Paradise, California, you heard she made the statement, her name is Abby Davis. She said, and I quote, it felt like Armageddon. 29-year-old kindergarten teacher at Ponderosa and Mary Ludwig, 50, who teaches second grade, evacuated with McKay and the students. Ludwig recalled, she said, the sky was really menacing. She said, the smoke made it hard to see. She said, it was so crazy and there were fires left and right everywhere you looked. McKay said, that's when we realize it's a silly statement, but the place was Paradise, California, and she made this statement. She said, it may sound funny, but paradise is lost. Kevin McKay, 41, had been driving a school bus for Ponderosa Elementary School in the northern California town of Paradise for a few months when the campfire reared its head November the 8th, scorching nearly an acre per second. McKay drove the school bus along gridlocked dark roads as pockets of fire burned all around. Nearly two dozen elementary school children were on board with him. Smoke began to fill the bus, so McKay took off a shirt. He and two teachers on the bus tore it into pieces and doused them with water. The children held the damp pieces of cloth to their mouths and breathed through them. He had been on the job driving the bus for Ponderosa Elementary School in the northern California, California city of Paradise only for a few months. Now, McKay was ferrying the 22 stranded children to safety as the campfire scorched everything in its path. It would take five hours for them to reach safety. As the smoke intensified, young lungs filled up. One student complained of being tired. David saw others, kids dozing off. The adults had to improvise. There was only one water bottle on the bus. McKay took off his shirt. They tore it up, doused the strips of cloth with water so that students could use them to breathe properly, they recalled. And one of the children, the tw- one of the 22 children that was rescued made this statement, and I quote, We had... The bus driver from heaven. We had the bus driver from heaven. That's right. Paradise is lost, but we had the bus driver from heaven. Man, do I wish wish Alex Wickham were here this morning. We have the bus driver from heaven. And he was willing to get into that bus and to drive into paradise through the flames and the fire and the smoke and the danger and to drive into that town and to find those children that couldn't make their way out of that fire. And they loaded up on the bus. And the bus driver from heaven got them out of the fire and got them to a place of safety. Oh, hallelujah. Well, I thank God this morning it wasn't a bus driver from heaven, but it was a God that came from heaven. He came from heaven to earth. An invisible mighty spirit of God said, I'm going to come in a little baby's body. I'm going to come in the womb of a virgin. And I'm going to be born to the world. Amen. And it wasn't a bus driver from heaven, but it was God that came from heaven to earth to take our sins away and to save us from the fire and the trouble and the burning and the death. And He came to save us. He rescued you and me, and I think we ought to put our hands together and thank God for that. Oh, hallelujah. He rescued me. Paradise is lost, but Jesus rescued me. Hallelujah. I was a young child. I was about, I'm guessing about 10 years old, nine or 10 years old. We were out boating. I was boating with my family, and we were, we were on the lake there. And we had, we had the, the, the rope off the back end of that boat, and it was connected to this raft kind of a deal. And my little sister, she's three years younger than I am, so she would have been about seven years old. She was in the raft, and my dad was in the boat next to me, and the boat driver was there, and he, he punched it. And when he punched it, my sister, who was seven years old, that was in that little raft, I don't know what happened. It was probably a cheap, cheesy little raft. that wasn't probably, you know, like this one. But when 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 he pulled, all of a sudden that raft folded up and sunk underwater. And I I looked as my sister, my seven year old sister, was pulled underwater. And I thought in a moment, my sister, and she was trapped in there. And I thought my sister's gonna she's gonna drown. And about the time that that thought pops into my mind, I hear the pad of feet on the gunwales of the boat. And there goes my dad, diving off the end of the boat, dives into the water, quickly swims out to where my sister is at, pulls her out of that, that, that deflated tube, and rescued, and rescued, and rescued her. Let me tell you something about when you're drowning. When you're drowning, you can't save yourself. When you're drowning, sometimes you need the assistance of someone else. Well, you know what? You and I, if we're honest about it, we were drowning in a sea of sin. We were drowning in a lifestyle that was taking us out. And we may have woken up someday day and say, you know what? I'm going to be better. I'm going to live a legal life. That's the thing about this church here. This is what I know about this church is we got people that some of you, you look really good this Sunday morning, but, but I know what you used to be. Running from the law, in trouble on every side, trying to make a life, waking up someday saying, you know what, I'm going to do better. Yep, that's it. I need I need to do better. Maybe you've been through treatment. Maybe you've tried everything under the sun. I'm going to have a better life. I'm going to have a moral life. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better life. I want to be a better father. want to be a better mother. And effort and energy expended only to find out over and over again that the harder you tried, sometimes the worse that it got. But the good news is when you couldn't save yourself uh, there's a God that steps in when you finally wake up to the point that I can't save myself. I'm drowning in a world of sin. I'm trying to make a better way but I can't make it. That there's a God that's good enough uh, that will come into our life not because we're good but because He's good. And to demonstrate His goodness uh, and His mercy. He says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to come to where You're at. I'll enter the fray. I'll enter the mess. I'll get into the mess of your life. And your mess doesn't scare me. And we've got a God that entered the sin of the world and reached down and picked us up out of our sins when we were drowning. And we're alive today. Are you ready? Here's the word. Because we have a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We have a Savior that did what He does best, and that is to save us, to enter into our mess, and to pull us up out of our sin. I'm not here to preach about your badness. I'm here to preach about His goodness. He's a good God. Listen, not because you deserved it. You didn't deserve it, and I didn't deserve it. If we got what we deserved, every one of us, listen to me, would be going to hell. I wish I could preach across the radio waves so everybody hear this. Put me on Fox News. Let me tell them the truth. But he wants to say how good everybody is. Listen, everybody's not good, and we're going to get into the scripture here. Everybody, we are by nature children of wrath. We're not good. That's why we need someone that's good to come to our rescue. J E S U S. That's why we need Jesus because he is the savior of the world and he is the one that can save us from our sins. Right. You cannot save yourself. You can try. We all try. It's the human nature, it's human condition. We all try. We try to be better. We want to be good little boys and good little girls. At least at some point in our life a lot of times we don't want to be a lot of times we want to be bad boys and bad girls but every once in a while there's something that comes up says we want to be good but listen you cannot save yourself you try to save yourself and you end up underwater and you're drowning you say I'm gonna be moral I'm gonna do things better I'm going to treatment I'm gonna try this I'm gonna be a better husband and then we find ourselves in the same mess over and over again you know why You're out in an ocean of sin and you can't swim. You can't do it. You can't swim on your own. My wife, I don't think she'll mind me admitting this for her. That's a little disclaimer. It's a little warning. No, when we go out boating and stuff, she's, I mean, we go out, (laughs) my sarcasm is going to come out here. I'm going to be nice. You got to, if you don't know me, you got to understand my wife and I, we have a good relationship. So when I'm joking like this, you get it, right? We get out in three feet of water. She's like, Man. You know why? Because she can't swim. It's kind of small. It's not for like an 80-pound kid. Right? She can't swim. Blessed is the person that recognizes that they can't swim. Let's make the spiritual connection. Blessed is the person that readily recognizes that they can't save themselves. The sooner you come to grips with the fact that you can't save yourself, the sooner you can reach out for the reaching down hand. The sooner you recognize, I can't save myself, that when Jesus extends his hands of mercy, you don't have to go, hey, sorry, Jesus, I've been swimming for a long time. I'm really kind of good at this, God. I don't need you. I don't need Calvary. I don't need the new birth. I don't need to be water baptized. I don't need the Holy Ghost because I got this. I'm going to warn you, you're in a bad place. You start acting like that. Because God's good enough that he'll say, okay, good luck, buddy. Wisdom says, I can't save myself. I'm I'm in an ocean and I can't swim. Okay, so I'm going to deal with a couple of you. And you say, well, I can swim. As a matter of fact, I'm a really, really good swimmer. I can really swim. So, if I drop you off in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and leave you there, you know the vast expanse of the of the ocean. You know how big the ocean is. You may be a good swimmer for a while. Getting what I'm you catching what I'm throwing. You get what I'm saying. You may be a good swimmer for a little while, and all of a sudden, man, I'm pulling this off, and wow, my life, oh, it's coming together. Wow, man, things are doing. I'm, I'm, re- I'm really doing good for me, aren't I? But you know what? You get dropped off in the middle ocean. You're only going to swim so long before you start going under. What are you saying? Can you swim forever? If you're a good swimmer, if I drop you off in the middle of the ocean, can you swim forever? No, eventually you're going to give in and you're going to go under. What are you preaching, pastor? I'm preaching there's no good people in the world. The word of God says there is none good. No, not one. I'm not saying we're never good. We have our moments now and then. At least the husbands ought to nod about their wife. We have our moments now and then. We do do good now and then. But you know what happens? You try to do good for a while, and then you just find, oh, I sin. So in other words, you're not all that good. I'm trying to set you up this morning. Because if you think you're so good, you'll put yourself at arm's length from a Savior. I don't need that. Cursed is the person that says they don't need Calvary. Cursed is the person that says, I don't need God in my life. I got this, God. I got this on my own. Wise is the person that says, I can't save myself. I'm messed up. Without God, I'm screwed up. Without God, I can't make it. Without God, I'm going to drown. But, oh, God, I thank you that you reach down. You're reaching down, hand of salvation into my life. And as you reach into my life, Lord, I'm going to thank you for that. And I'm going to reach out for the help that's coming to me because thank you. Lord, that you are rescuing me. Thank you that you're a rescuer. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Listen, we all need a rescue. We all need a Savior. We all need God in our life. I'll calm down. Sorry. Excited. Romans 3 and 23. All have sinned. Take your finger. It means me. Yeah, you, you, me. All have sinned. Come short of the glory of God. Anybody thinks they're all all that hot of stuff? Just put your finger in your nose. All have sinned. Come short of the glory of God. You're not good. You're not good. But God's good. Romans 5 and 6. For when we were yet without strength. we We were weak, man, without strength. In due time, Christ died. Wait a second. For the ungodly. He died for the ungodly? Wow. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. It's pretty rare that you'd be willing to die for a really good guy. Are you going to die for a criminal? It's just pretty uncommon. Yet peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. If you know if they're good, we'd probably die for them. But watch. Verse number 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while... We were yet sinners. Christ died for us. When we were drowning and we were no good, he wanted to demonstrate how good he is. It's not that you're good, it's that he's good. And he said, I'm going to show you how good that I am. And I'm going to give you what you don't deserve in your life. If you feel like you need to deserve salvation, listen, you're never going to be to a point in life where you're going to deserve salvation. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's nobody in this building that's so good that says, yeah, I deserve that. God should have done that for me. Listen, none of us could. But he demonstrated his goodness and his love for us that when we didn't deserve it, God said, I'm going to show you how good that I am. When you don't deserve it, I'm going to show you my goodness and I'm going to save you when you don't deserve it. That's how good God is is i'm here to preach this morning that god is helping us god is helping us listen to me very closely you may be a guest that are here today and 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 i get this now and then there are people who come to church or consider contemplate coming to church and they'll say something like this but you don't know how bad that i've been you don't know what i've done I've, i've heard this before and if i came to that church probably the roof would fall in If I came to that church, probably there would be lightning bolts that would come out of the sky. If I came to that church, because you don't know how bad that I've been, I want you to know today that God is not against you. God does not wish you to die lost without Him. As a matter of fact, He is on a rescue campaign, He is on a campaign, He's in the boat. And he's trying to get as many people saved as he can. I'm, go- I'm going out in the treacherous waters. I'm going into dangerous places. I'm going in places that are scary. Let me tell you something about the grace of God. The grace of God is not afraid of your sin. It's not afraid of your problems. It's not afraid of where you're coming from. Because the great grace of God is greater than your disgrace. The grace of God is greater than your sin. If that wasn't true, none of us would have hope here today if we're really honest. God is helping us. Listen, God's not against you. The devil whispers in some people's ears. He says things like this, you've gone too far. He says things like this, you can ne- God would never love you. He says things like this, yeah, but if those people in the church knew what you did, they'd never accept you there. He, he'll, he'll whisper in your ear. He's on a whispering campaign to talk you out of salvation. But there's a God that says no matter what you've done, where you've been, how you've acted, the kind of sin in your life, there's a God that says, my grace can trump your disgrace. My blood, Jesus said, is greater than your sin. My goodness, God said, is better than your badness, no matter how bad you've been. I want to welcome you to the foot of the cross this morning and say that there is a God that is fighting for us. There's a God that's working on our behalf. There's a God, if you will, that is conspiring. That's right. There's a God conspiring. That's right. All of a sudden you turn around, boom, there's a church person. You haven't seen them in a long time. All of a sudden you wake up one morning and there's this little twinge inside of your heart that says, man, I think I want to go to church today. It's a little twinge inside of your spirit Why? you know, you, 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 you said God's name in vain and you know better than that. And there's a little something inside that says, man, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry, God. You're in the middle of sin. Something inside is convicting you sin. Man, I shouldn't do that. Can I tell you, you need to thank God every time you feel bad about sin. That's not you. That's not because you're a great person and your morality is speaking to you. Every time conviction comes, man, I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. What it's saying, that's God that's working in your life, trying to wake you up. That's God saying, come on, there's, there's a better way. We sing a song that says, God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness, lighting up the kingdom that cannot be shaken. In the name of Jesus, you know what song? God is fighting for us. Pushing back the darkness. God is fighting for us. You need to start singing to yourself about God. God is fighting for us. God is fighting for us. God is helping me. God's on my side. He's trying to help me to be what I need to be because I can't be that without him. The devil is a liar. God is fighting for us. Come on. The devil doesn't want you to be saved. Your flesh doesn't want to be saved. But there's a part of you that God is reaching down. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to rescue you. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2. Watch what it says. I'll read this very quickly. We're going to try to get to the bottom. What is, what is God trying to say through this scripture? 2 and 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. He loved us even when we were dead in sins. He loved us when we were dead in sins. Hath quickened us together with Christ. Now we're in the church, living for God, living a good life. By grace you are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. We're in places we've never been before. Man, we've never had a life like this. That then the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. By grace are you saved through faith. You know what that means? That there was a time in our life that we were drowning, and God threw us. Y'all better wake up. Just warning you. We were drowning in sin. From Pope Joy, We were drowning in sin. Brian, we were drowning in sin. Brian's drowning in sin right now. He's acting this out with me. Brian was drowning in sin. Brian was drowning in sin. And Jesus, through the lifeline. There's a better life for you, Brian. You don't have to drown anymore, Brian. You don't have to be on meth anymore, Brian. You don't have to walk in sin anymore, Brian. I'm going to pull you out of that mess. I'm going to do for you what no one else could do for you, Brian. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brian, how many years was it, Brian? 18 years of meth addiction. He threw down the pipe. God touched his life. He threw down the pipe. He never went back to it. You tell me. You show me the program. You show me the program that produces that. You show me N.A. I'm not, I'm not here to spite the program. I mean... But what a program couldn't do, Jesus did. He threw the lifeline. Did Brian deserve that? No. Was he good? No. The system would say he was a convict and a criminal. But God said, I love you so much, Brian. Now, what would you think of Brian if Brian was like, nah, I don't need that. I'm good. It's only been 18 years, you know. It's, been 18 years. it's only been 18 years. I'm all good. I'm all good. You know what Brian did? I watched Brian do this. Brian's like, oh, God. huh? Yeah, so I, go, I need this. Oh, I need, I need this. this. I, I got to have this. I got to have it. Amen. For Brian, I'd never forget. It was we had, a, we had a big community service called Crush. It was about three or four years ago. Yep. Brian, living like Brian was living. Living in sin. He woke up one, one morning yeah. and he's like, I got to go to that. I got to get to church. I got to get to church. Yeah. I got to get baptized. Yeah. He came to that service. He got baptized in Jesus' name. He almost talked me out of it. He told me how he got to start living. I was like, I just got scared. Remember? So, what did Brian do? <laughs> Brian grabbed a hold of this thing. Yeah. Now, you had a struggle for about a year after that, didn't you? Yeah. Jesus came back, threw him the lifeline. What kind of fool would say, man, I don't need that. I'm all good. I'm all good. Let me tell you what that was. God throws us a lifeline. And when he throws a lifeline, let me tell you what that lifeline is called, Paul Tribbett. That lifeline is called grace. That's what it means. You're saved by grace. That means God put something into your life that you didn't have before that moment that gave you the power you needed to take the next step in your life that was going to change you to become the person God wanted you to become. Grace. Say by grace. Oh Jesus. Grace. Watch. Grace is the gift of God. When Jesus rescues us, he gives us something that we didn't have before. It's called grace. Uh, That's why we got to be lovers of grace. Grace. Let's go into the Bible very quickly. Grace. It's C H A R I S, charis. It's where we get the word charisma, the gifts of the Spirit. Corinthians 14, charis. It's a gift. That's what it means. It's a gift. Grace, the word literally means, the word literally means a gift. That's what the word means, grace. Keris, gift. Grace means gift. So when God gives you grace, what does he give you? He gives you a gift. He gives you a gift. And, And the word gift, grace, means kindness, favor, goodwill, gracious deed, or notice, what I've said already, is gift, right? We just experienced Christmas, did we not? We've got all kinds of gifts underneath the tree. Isn't that one of the most wonderful things in the world? I mean, the kids are all in Sunday school. I realize they'd be jumping up and down on their chairs. Christmas. It's Christmas. Oh, my goodness. What's underneath the tree? What did I get? Counting up the gifts, man. I got, whoa, what I got. I'm so thankful for the gift. Let me tell you what. You're a child of God. You need to understand that God threw into your life something you didn't deserve. It's called grace. It's called a gift. God gives you a gift. It's not, you know something about a gift? You don't deserve, you don't earn the gift. Contrary to what Santa Claus says, I'm sorry. You don't earn the gift, not the gift of salvation. God says, I'm here to give you a gift. What that means is you're undeserving. You don't deserve it. But God's so good, he gives you a gift, Duriel. He gives you a gift. And in that gift, oh, here's here's the gift, is the gospel of Christ. It's a gift. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a gift of grace. You know what that means? We don't deserve to be saved. But God said, I'm going to give you myself. I'm going to give you Calvary. I'm going to give you the fact that I died on a cross for your sins. And friend, that is the greatest gift, this side of heaven, that God would say, I'll become a man, I'll die for your sins, I'll be buried according to the scripture, and I'll resurrect from the dead. That is a gift. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a gift in your life. And anybody that's wise says, oh, thank God. Thank God that you died for me. Jesus, I thank you that you died for my sins. Thank you for the gift of grace, that you gave me something that I did not deserve. Oh, he gives you the gift. Forgiveness. You know what that means? You don't deserve forgiveness. You might as well get over that really, really quick. You don't deserve it. You don't earn forgiveness. You don't say, man, I paid penance long enough. I got forgiveness in my life. You don't earn it. What God says is, I'm giving you something you don't deserve because I'm good. I'm going to give you a gift of forgiveness. Listen, you do not have to be captive by the shame of your past. Holy Ghost, help us. Because the grace of God has been given to us. The shame of your past. Well, I did this and I'm ashamed of it. And man, I hope nobody ever finds out about that. You ought to thank God for the blood of the lamb. You ought to thank God for the new birth experience. You ought to thank God that you can be baptized for the remission of your sins so that when God looks at you the sins of your past, God says, man, I don't know what you're talking about. That's gone. That's washed in the blood. It's it's thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west, I have separated you from your sins. God says, I've taken that away and it's gone. That is a gift. It is grace that makes that a possible. God's like, okay, here's a gift. The love of God is a gift of grace. Oh my goodness. We got some real practical ones here. <laughs> some of y'all were crazy, straight up, verifiable, lock you up in a rubber room. Crazy. Paul's got that mature elder saint look on him right now. Paul, you are crazy, man. You are crazy. Sister Pat, he's crazy. <laughs> but God, who is rich in mercy. But God. But God. Oh, we got to go quick. I earned my job because I'm great at what I'm, I'm a great guy. No, you're not. God's good. God's good. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody, okay, Pentecostal, some of you need to figure out this thing called grace, cuz some things you don't earn. I need a good job, God. I need this, I need that. God doesn't go, "Okay, because you're perfect, you got it." No, sometimes God says, "I'm just going to drop a little gift in your lap, not because you deserve it, because I want you to know how much I love you and I'm a good God and you're my kid and I'm going to give you a job." I'll give you a job. It's called the grace of God. Oh, this is another good one. Sobriety This church is filled with former drunks, former drug addicts. Here we go. Acceptance, the grace of God. This is really good. Friendship. God will give you relationships like you've never had in the body of Christ. People you can trust, people that will love you. Oh, man. See, some of y'all, pastor, man, I'm worried about pastor. Pastor's preaching saved by grace. Grace. In case you were wondering, that verse is in the Bible. (laughs) We're taking it back. We're taking the verse back. We're not going to make it say something it doesn't say. Grace doesn't mean you can just do any... Grace is not disgrace. It doesn't mean you can just do whatever you want without any repercussions. I can, you know, God's just going to love me anyway. That's called slippery, greasy grace, and that's... That's disgrace. We don't believe that. But what we better believe, Pentecostals, we better believe that it's not a result of our goodness and our good works. We better believe that it was the goodness of God, not our goodness. We better believe that it's God's gift to us. It's not our gift to him. It's not of where us. we can be a bunch of biblical braggarts. Look at what I did. Look at I. No, 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 no. We all recognize Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is a gift of grace. God said, I'm going to take your sins away and here's how I'm going to do it. You're going to repent. You're going to believe my word and take your faith and marry it with the word and you're going to get baptized in Jesus' name. You're going to begin to praise me, and as you praise me, you're going to begin to speak in another language you never spoke in before. It's going to be a miracle. It's called the Holy Ghost. It's called the book of Acts, infilling of the Holy Ghost. And God said that's going to happen in your life, and that comes as a result of the grace of God. It's not what I do. It's what He does in me. It is a gift. Oh, Jesus. I feel like preaching the whole Bible here this morning. Grace is a gift. It's a chance. Grace is hope. Grace is opportunity. Grace says you don't have to be a lousy drunk. Grace says you don't have to be a liar anymore. Grace says you can overcome. Come on. Grace says you can have a good life. Some of you have had such a troubled life. Jesus. You've had such a troubled life, you've tried so hard, and it hasn't worked out in your family, and it hasn't worked out in your job. And everywhere you look, and you say, I must be a loser. And what's gonna I I want you to know this morning that you can have a good life in God. You can be sober, you can be what you've never been before because of the goodness of God. God says, I'll give you a gift and I'll allow you to become something you can change. Grace says, You can change, you can be better. So grace does. Grace comes whispering in your ear. Come on, you can be better. You can be better. You say, well, why? I don't deserve it. Exactly. That's the point. You don't deserve it. You hit the nail on the head. Very good. Lesson learned. God gives you and I something that we don't deserve because He is good. Jesus. Grace, by definition, some people say it like this, it's the unmerited favor of God. The unmerited favor of God. Unmerited favor, God. okay. What does that mean? Unmerited. You don't deserve it. Unmerited. You don't merit it. You don't like get yourself good enough where God's like, okay, now, I'm going I'm to make your life great. You don't deserve it. If you could earn it, you would take credit for it. Truth is, God chose you. Then you chose him. He initiated the pursuit. For the first time in our lives. Come on, folks. For the first time in our lives. Where does that come from? When I, I was 15 years old, I had no religious background. Very little religious background. We didn't go to church. We weren't a church-growing family. Wasn't into all that. I was into drinking and partying and running the streets like a wild man, having a good time and all that. I didn't want this. I do not want this. I'm not going to be a church boy, choir boy, bell boy. Ding, ding, ding. I want to be a goofy. I don't want to go to goofy church. you kidding me? 15 years old, I don't want to go to church. That's for weirdos. I don't go to church. And all of a sudden, one day, my mom and my sister go to church and they're getting baptized. And all of a sudden, it's like the first, I believed in God, but so does the devil. Big hairy deal, I believe in God. Like 80% of Americans claim to be Christian, and they're not. Well, they're not. They don't live it. They've never, had, they've never had a real experience with God. They've never been born again. They believe in God. It's good. It's a good start. Fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It's good to believe in God. I believed in God, but man, that wasn't enough. I come to that service and all of a sudden, you know, this, this crazy Pentecostal stuff. People freak me out. Freak me out. I'm in church there, Holy Ghost I'm moving, and people are like, whoa, this is crazy. Church I, was, I came to when I was a kid it wasn't like this. Mom gets baptized, sister gets baptized, all of a sudden, I'm crying like a baby. I'm 15 years old, I'm crying like a baby. Oh, God. I'm like, man, I've seen Motley Crue in concert. Man, I'm I've, into I've parties, I'm into concerts. Never had nothing like this before. Whoa. And I don't know what to do, I don't know how to act. I'm gripping the pew, my eyes are closed, I'm crying like a baby. Open my eyes, the Pentecostal huddle. I was surrounded because we're after you (laughs) we're after you that's right what do I do next You pastor says you want to be baptized yeah I do I didn't want to be there remember I'm not into this church stuff you want to be baptized yeah where'd that come from That's a theological question in a contemporary context. Where'd that come from? God's like, I'm putting in you a desire you never had before. Oh, Jesus. That's called grace. Grace, the gift, the gift came into my life. I could have said, no. I could have rejected the gift. I certainly could have. I'm like, no, man, let's let's do this. I come up, they take me back. I, I put one of them baptismal robe things on. I get in the water. They baptize me. I come up and I'm like, I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to church every single service. I'm going to you service. Sunday, I didn't know Sunday night existed. I didn't know we had a Wednesday night. I found, man, I'm going to Wednesday night. I'm going to Sunday night. Man, I want the Holy Ghost. Man, I, 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 I don't want to swear no more. Man, I, 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 I want to live right. Man, I, I, I want to be a preacher. You see, you don't know. You don't know. thing is, I wasn't preaching material. You, you don't get that. But God, who is rich in mercy, in his great love wherewith he loved us, by grace, God, God said, okay, I'm throwing this into your life. And he gave me something that I didn't have before. Now all of a sudden, we don't want to sin. Come on. Come on, let's be real here. Before Jesus, I wanted to sin. And the more sin, I, I mean, I didn't look at it that way, like sin. We didn't use the word, but we're like, man, party down. Let's, yeah, let's go. We're going to have fun. We're going to do all kinds of bad stuff, wrong stuff. We want to do more and more of it, right? And all of a sudden, God comes to my life. I'm like, man, I don't want to do that no more. And we didn't have like a church custodian that came up to me with like a rolled up list. If you're going to be a Christian, <laughs> You're going to come to our church. Let me tell you what happened. Grace of God got it. I didn't need a church custodian. I had the internal custodian. It's called the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost is like, man, you probably shouldn't do that anymore. You know, bleepity, bleepity, blankety, 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 bleepity. Nah, I don't feel right. I don't want to do that anymore. No, I don't, I don't think I'm going to go there. I, I, that's not a place that I should be wasn't somebody who was in my face preaching. No, the Holy Ghost came inside. God's grace came into my life. And all of a sudden, what I never wanted to do, I wanted to start doing. And all the stuff that I used to want to do, I didn't want to do anymore. I'm here to warn y'all. If you're a guest here. God's on the hunt after you. This is what cracks me up. This is what makes me really laugh. There are people who be, I'll never do that. Good luck. I'll never go to that church. I'll never be like those people. This church is filled with people that said, I'll never go to that church. You know why? God said, I'll put something inside of you that you don't have. That you don't have. That you don't have. JP and Christy, I think they're getting back from Arizona. JP and Christy ran... I mean, she, she had the Word of God in her heart a long, long time ago. She had a conviction, but they struggled with it. JP and working with them, teaching the Word of God to them, and they're just not, they're just not ready. Sometimes you got to just go, okay, I sowed the seed. Let, let God do, do his thing. All of a sudden, they get in a big mess in life. They have an accident. All the stuff's hanging over their head, and all of a sudden, they, they come, they get, they get baptized, they start reaching out to God. I'm going to tell you, this is what JP told me. JP told me, I should have done this a long time ago. Why didn't I do this a long time ago? What was I waiting on? This is great. This is the best thing in the world. Because you come to that confrontational moment where, man, man, this is huge. You're on the outside looking in. And let me tell you, the only way you can get this is be on the inside looking out. Then it all makes sense. If you're on the outside looking in, that's why Jesus said you must be born again of the water and the Spirit or you can't see the kingdom of God and you can't enter the kingdom of God. When you're born of the water and the Spirit, all of a sudden you get into something and you see something that you're like, whoa, I had no idea it was like this. This is incredible. This is the best thing. When you're on the outside, it looks ugly. When you're on the outside, it looks ugly. It's kind of like the ark. Pitch it within, pitch it without, pitch it, pitch it, pitch it, pitch it within. You know, it's, it's, it's just pitch. It's rough. we got any roofers here. Pitch. It's black pitch. It's tar. It's ugly on the outside. But man, when the rain gets to falling and the people get to screaming and they start singing, ah! when you're on the inside, you're going, man, this is beautiful. Woo. This is awesome. You, you got to get in the inside. All right, I got to go quick. Ephesians 2 and 8. What does it say? That not of yourselves, the grace of God. The grace of God. It says it is not of yourselves. I want to, man, this, I was studying this about six months ago, and the Lord gave me insight in this I never had. That not of yourselves. Grace, listen, is not of yourself. What does that mean? It does not originate in you. Salvation doesn't originate in you. Grace doesn't originate in you. It originates in him. It's not, of our, it's not in us. It starts with him. If it was in us, we'd say, oh, I woke up one day and said, I'm going to serve God today. I made up my mind. Oh, and human will wants, wants to be proud about that kind of stuff. One day, I woke up. I woke up and said, I'm going to serve God. Well, who in the world do you think gave you the desire in the first place to wake up and to say, I'm going to serve God today? Because up until that point, you never felt that way. So where did that come from? It doesn't originate in you. Grace originates in God. Why? Because it's the gift of God. It's the gift, lest any man should boast. There's no bragging around here. I'm so good. Look what I did. See my accomplishments, see my job, see my kids, see my family. You're not saved. Listen, because of your strong will. I just made a really strong decision that I'm gonna live for God. I'm gonna live for God. not because of your strong will. You're not living for God because of your character. You're not living for God. No. You're living for God because God helped you. And you were smart enough to cooperate with the grace that was coming from Him to you. You were drowning in a world of sin. And He threw. He threw to you. We're going to have participation here. He threw to you. Right? And you were smart enough to go, did it come from you? Did salvation, grace come from you? It came from him. He threw it into your life. He threw the grace of God into your life and Jesus made it all possible. Absent Jesus from the equation and you got nothing. Take Jesus out of the equation. You got zero, not a nothing, zilch, squat. You're dead. You drown because you can't save yourself. If you're drowning, you can't save yourself. Uh, You got to have someone else that reaches down in your drowning condition that throws a lifeline of hope uh, that says, I'm going to save you, says, I'm going to help you. So the grace comes from God. He is the source He is the originator. You say, I'm not good enough. God says, I'm good enough for the both of us. You say, I can't do it. God says, I can do it through you. Oh, Jesus. I need to make this part two. Okay, real quick. I'm going to read you a a scripture or two. That's my out. Okay, you got to get this, all right? We got to learn something as we leave here today. Philippians 2.13. I'm going to read this in the Amplified Version. Philippians 2.13. For it is God. Everybody say it's God. God. Not you, it's God. God. Which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So who's working in you to to will and to do, to give you the desire and the power to do the will of God? Who? It's God. Anytime, like like if you're in church today, you need to recognize why you're in church today. Something happened like, bubble, 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 ding. I'm going to go to church today. Where'd that come from? It came from God. Every time you get desire that starts welling up in your life, I want to live a better life. I want, man, I I, I want to be a Christian. I want to, you need to know. You need to know. Some of you that are like, man, is God working in my life? If you have a desire, you got to know, Ah, huh, God's working in me. That's God that's at work in my life. The grace comes from God. It is God which work, not you, but God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Verse 13, amplify, not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. That means that flicker of hope, that that, that spark of potential, that surge of positivity and faith that rises up that says it can be different. I can have a new life. I can have a better life. God's got a plan for me. You know what that is? It's the grace of God. You need to go, whoa, God's dealing with me. Contemporary English version, for God is working in you. Look at your neighbor and say, God's working in you. God's working in you. He's working in you. We got a fast going on this week, man. (laughs) If you want to do that, it's God. New Living Translation, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. That energy is God's energy, an energy deep within you. God is working in you. That's what the grace of God is. You say, I can't help myself. Oh, but Jesus can help you. That's why fundamentally, at its core, I am against at least in portion what happens at an AA meeting. Here's what I'm against. Hi, my name is Ron Lichtel. I'm an alcoholic. I am an alcoholic. I've been an alcoholic for 15 years. They haven't drank in 15 years. I'm an alcoholic. Always going to be an alcoholic. No, you're not. Not if you're born again of the water and the Spirit. You're born again, you're not an alcoholic anymore. God says, I'll change you. You don't have to claim part of your past. When you're born again, you're a new creature in Christ. You are such were past tense, some of you adulterers, fornicators. He goes down the list, effeminate, abusers themselves with mankind. He goes down the sin list, Corinthians 6. He goes into all those sins. Used to be all, he said, this was in the church. He said, this is what used to be. And they that do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Don't let anybody mess with your head, say you can do all this stuff and be saved. You can. That's what he said. But he said, and such were. Past tense, some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. He said, this is what you used to be until grace came along and the power of God came into your life. And now that's what you used to be. It is what you no longer are. I'm going to give somebody a prophetic word right now. Some of you need to stop claiming your past. Some of you need to stop saying, oh, but my family has mental illness that runs in my family for generations. Oh, my family has alcoholism that's in it for generations. Oh, my mother was like this. Oh, my father was like this. See, I can't help myself. No, that is broken off in the new birth through the grace of God so that you don't have to repeat what your parents struggled with. What three generations ago. I'm not going to talk about generational curses and all that business. There are things intrinsically that may be in your life. But listen, the new birth cuts that off. Such were some of you. The grace of God says, listen, you're not that anymore. Well you dare stand up after you've been born again of the water and spirit and say, Hi, I'm Ron Lick. I'm still an alcoholic. No, I'm not. I'm a saint. I'm a child of God. I'm Holy Ghost filled, water baptized, on my way to heaven, not going to hell, filled with the grace of God in my life. I'm not what I used to be. I've been born again. I got the power of another world inside of me. I got God in my life. That's not what I am anymore. I've been changed. It's what I used to be. That's why, listen, I, I'm so excited to be a preacher. This is the greatest job on the planet. Because listen, I get to be a part of preaching something that literally changes people's lives. You get to be a part of sharing. When you sit across the table and share a Bible study, Acts 20, Acts it's uh, Acts 20 and 24. It calls it the gospel of the grace of God. Yes! The gospel. When you start preaching, Jesus died. Jesus resurrected. Jesus can help you. It's the gospel of the grace of God. And all of a sudden, somebody's like, there's hope for me. I can have a brand new day. It's the gospel of the grace of God. I'm going to end with this thought, okay? So, How how do I access this grace? Man, you've talked about grace. It's so wonderful. Wow, the power to do the will of God. Unbelievable. That's so awesome. Now, how do I, I access that? I'm so glad you asked me. Romans 5 and 2. Are you ready? By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What is the key? We access this grace. We have access by faith into this grace. Are you ready? Brian was drowning. Okay. And we have access. <laughs> okay. Brian, can you now put it back where where it was just for a second? Okay. Oh, you're doing good, man. You're doing good. So, okay, you see where the see the grace? See Brian? He's drowning. You got one of two options. Keep drowning. How's that working for you? (laughs) What does he do? He reaches out by faith. Ah. He says, I want that. You're offering hope. Bless you. I'm not going to throw it one more time. At least this week. Next week, maybe. What did Brian do? Brian said, oh, I finally got hope. First time in my life. I've been drowning. I got hope for the first time in my entire life. I tried everything else, and I can't get out. But, oh, I see a hope. I see a light at the end of the tunnel. I feel like there might be a hope for me. And he says, I want that now. Because God, listen, God won't save you against your will. I don't have time to deal with Calvinism and all that mess. I don't have time to deal with that unconditionally eternal security mess because it's mess mess ugly mess let me tell you why because the dirty little seeker about unconditional eternal security that some proclaim is that also means unconditional eternal damnation to others that means that there is nothing they could ever do if God pre foreordained them from the beginning of the world to to hell and damnation and that there's nothing they can do to change that that is the cruelest God that could ever live in the history of the world but that's not our God You were not unconditionally elected from the beginning of time to be saved or be damned and to spend the rest of your life biting your fingernails off to your elbow, wondering, am I chosen or am I not chosen? Listen, the grace of God that bringeth salvation, let me tell you the scripture, hath appeared to all men. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness, and worldly lust, we should all live soberly, justly, righteously in this present generation. The grace of God hath appeared to all men. God's throwing the lifeline out to everybody. He's throwing it out to everybody. He's not willing that any should perish. He's not willing that any, he doesn't want anybody to perish. He doesn't want the sinner. He doesn't want a single person. You don't have to wonder. He don't want anybody to be lost. And he throws it out there. And there's gonna be people like Brian that are wiser saying, Man, I'm tired of drowning. It's mine. I'm going to hold on to this thing with all, it's all I'm worth. I'm never going to let this thing go. I access this by faith. I want it. I believe it. I trust it. It's mine. it's mine. It's mine. It's mine. Whatever it says, I'll do it. Whatever he wants, I'll do. Wherever he sends me, I'll go. Whatever he says, I'll do. It's the grace of God. I want it by faith. It's the beginning of a new year. I got place, they got this place in town. It's called Rapids Fitness. <laughs> Don't you say a word. <laughs> Bro, I've been eating so much. I'm not a cheesecake. But I tell you what, Culver's has got the meanest concrete mixture called lemon cheesecake. Anyway, so, it's a new year, right? Some of you are like, I got I, to gotta, gotta get me an exercise program. Jenny Craig, here I come. Diet meals, avoiding culvers, it's a new start. You're like, it's time for Rapids Fitness. You go to Rapids Fitness and you sign one of their little contract thingy majiggies. You sign your contract, put your name on the dotted line. You know what they, they give you? They give you a key fob. Give you a little key fob, <laughs> and you look in the mirror, and you go, "It's time for Rapid Fitness." I'm going to Rapid Fitness. You go to Rapid Fitness, and there's all those people that are on the inside, in there. In there. and you're on the outside. Aren't you sick of being on the outside? Ooh, some of you need to get out of the outside. <laughs> Some of you have been coming for months and you ain't been baptized in Jesus' name yet. You're on the outside. Everybody else is on the inside. You're like, I don't do that. But God gave everybody a key fob because he's given to every man the measure of faith. See again? No unconditional eternal election. Everybody's got it. Everybody's got a measure of faith. And All of a sudden, life Preserver gets thrown out, and you say, That's mine. I'm going into I'm going into the fitness place. I'm gonna work out. And you got the little key fob. Bleep, 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 bleep. You have access to something that you never had access to before. See, I'm telling you all this stuff, all this salvation. Wow, I just wasted that box of Kleenex. That gift, all this stuff that's available, God gave you the apparatus of faith to respond to what he's doing in your life. End of my message. I'm done. You can say, okay, man, God's thrown it to me. That's what I want. That's what I want for my life. That's what I want for my life. Faith is you grabbing the lifeline that has been thrown to you. saying, oh, thank God. I don't ever want to drown again. No, 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 no. I don't ever want to be back to where I was. I don't ever want to go back. I don't. No, 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 no. I'm hanging on to this for dear life. By faith, I'm hanging on to you, Jesus. I'm hanging on to this church thing. I'm hanging on to this Holy Ghost thing. I'm hanging on to the Word of God in my life. I'm hanging on to the church. I'm hanging on to the mission of God. I ain't ever letting this thing go because, man, this is the only thing that'll keep me from drowning. By faith, It's my last thought. You know, sometimes when somebody's drowning, they say there are people that have given their life to rescuing the drowning, and they say this is very interesting. They say oftentimes when they when somebody is drowning, my son, we were swimming uh, it was two years ago, I think, and he jumped off a cliff, and I was there, and he's facing the cliff, and I look, and he's and he's acting really weird, and his body's like way up out of the water. I'm like, man, what's going on? When he hit the water, a bunch of stuff went up his nose and he started choking. And he started, his first reaction was to start paddling really hard. A bit, it lifted him up out of the water. And then I freaked out, man. I'm his dad. That's, that's my boy. I started swimming over to where he was at. And I kind of grabbed him. We started swimming. And what had happened was he, he, he literally felt like he was starting to drown. He was facing the other way. I couldn't see his face. But this is what they say they say sometimes when somebody's in the middle of drowning that because they're so afraid and the reactions are kicking in that they fight the rescuer and they're flailing and they're kicking and there's somebody that's trying to save them and you, you'll read the story this happens they're trying to save them and sometimes the person that's trying to help them drowns with them because they're fighting the process so much they're freaking out well, let me tell you one good thing about God he's never gonna drown never gonna die never gonna go under he's a powerful God but i tell you what, some of us, some of us have done in our lives before that we're in the middle of the greatest rescue in the history of the world and that rescue is happening in our life and, and that rescue is there. If we're not careful, sometimes we'll fight it. We're scared, man. I've never been here before. I'm insecure. I am mean, This is weird. I've never. All of a sudden you start fighting it. What are you preaching, Pastor? What I'm saying here this morning is don't fight the rescuer. Don't fight the rescuer. Sometimes the rescuer, they'll do this in training, like certain training scenarios. Sometimes the rescuer will have to knock out the person that they're trying to rescue. (laughs) Sometimes God will have to knock you out. Don't wallow, what are you saying? Don't fight it. God is fighting for us. Let Jesus save you. Grab on with all you got. Come on, don't keep drowning. Don't keep drowning. Don't hold on to your rebellion. Don't hold on to your sin. Come on, stop the madness. There's a way out. You're saying, cooperate with God. If He's working to save you, come on, let Him save you. I realize as well, I'm talking to a congregation. Many of you, maybe, have been quote unquote saved for a mighty long time. Can I tell you, Saint of God that's been around 30, 40 years, can I tell you something? God is still saving you today. You didn't just get saved, you're getting saved, and someday you'll be saved. Because you're not fully saved until the rapture happens or God takes you to heaven to be in His glory land with Him. You're not entirely saved until then. But until then, you know what we need to say? God, I'm going to cooperate with Your grace. You're working in my life. If You step on my toes, that's okay. Whatever you're doing, you're trying to redeem me. You're trying to help me. You want me to be better. And you've thrown a lifeline of grace into my life. And I'm just saying yes to that lifeline. I'm saying yes to that lifeline. Stand together with me this morning.